This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, 
Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here continuing our draft coverage here. And big episode kind of today. This will be our, the last one before the draft, I believe. It should be out on Wednesday. And then Thursday, of course, we're having our, our watch party together. We'll hope you to join you. We'll hope you'll join us for. Uh, but, but today we're going to have a special one that's five things I want from this draft. And joining me to also discuss his five things is Alec Pulianos. Alec, how are you doing? Doing great, Ken. Looking forward to talking about the draft. Uh, it's almost here. <laughs> almost here. Yeah, boy. It's a, the, the football New Year is almost upon us. Uh, Alec is at Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Yep. Correct. And yep. that's also name your pod. Should get yep. some more listeners here, folks, because it's a good quality production here. You want to you want to include and in, uh, uh, on your listen list. And uh, anyway, we, we each have a list of five things we want to talk about here. So how about uh, you just name number number one on your list. We'll kind of go in decreasing order. Does that sound good? Fair enough. Yeah. So my number one uh, was to get a good left tackle prospect, um, which would probably be uh, at least day two capital. Um, so I'm saying, thinking a third round pick at worst, I think, is what you'll need to get a left tackle prospect. And I think it's a high priority. I completely agree. And it's actually the first one on my list as well is get a left tackle insurance policy who can step in immediately. So it's not a, it's not an any tackle. And I think you said left tackle, right? Yeah. Left tackle. Okay. Yeah. So key point we're making here is that a, a right tackle only, or one of the really heavy footed tackle slash guard types is not going to work for this. We, we we're, we're both looking for a pass blocker to man the left side. If anything goes wrong with Ronnie Stanley mm-hmm. and we've heard good news today. Yeah, we did. Uh, that, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it was Rappaport, right? Tweeted out that uh, everything's looking good at the medicals. He had another checkup, and they're optimistic, which lines up with a lot of what we've been hearing and maybe even seeing with Ronnie. Um, but yeah, hopefully not just a, a smokescreen at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, you never know when you're getting kind of liar's lunch at this time of year. But but I, I would certainly hope it's not a smokescreen, and and we certainly hope the best for Ronnie personally. Uh, that said, Ronnie, even before the current ankle injury had some injuries that took him out for games. And, and this is a team that if they, you know, if their Super Bowl aspirations are reasonable, they will need to have somebody to step in on that left side for a couple of games, potentially yep. if, if Ronnie misses him for any reason. Uh, Morgan Moses, uh, my, my own personal thought about this is if they got one of the top left tackles, I'd be all for it still. If somehow Cross or Aquano or, or even Neil were to drop to 14 for some reason, and yeah. they got him. I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, I figure out the positions later. And and my my first choice is just Morgan Moses goes in bubble wrap for the year. You sit him on the bench. <laughs> don't seriously. Don't try and play him at another position like guard. That's what they did uh, last year with Tyree Phillips. They had yeah. him in a guard, and he got hurt. And then they were a tackle short. And it it didn't. You know, none of that really makes sense to me. So if they if yeah. they, if they have Moses and they have two tackles, including a rookie that you really want to develop because you drafted him in round one, go ahead and right. play him. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And honestly, um, the dra- or the amount of money they spent on Moses is not that much where you're mm-hmm. hurting yourself. I mean, he almost is getting paid as a backup swing tackle, but he is good enough to play. You know, like that's it, it was a good contract. And if that if it falls that way, the other thing interesting to talk about, Ken, is if three tackles don't go off the board, what did? Right. It right. probably is going to be the best player available at that point, And you have to do it. Right. 
Yeah, I would think it'd be the best play. So, you know, the, the one miracle scenario is that quarterbacks and wide receivers start going off, boom, 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 right off the right off right. the bat, and and there are a lot of them gone. Uh, but I think it's I think it's still quite unlikely that one of the three tackles makes it through. Uh, you know, there's been some talk about the Ravens going out and getting Trevor Penning. Uh, you know, I'm I'm down on the penalties. I'm I'm concerned about the boneheadedness. I think one of the things that that um, got me back a little bit more into the penning camp is the notion that he's been working with an offensive line guru to try and clean up his game Yeah. Uh, prior to this draft. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. His footwork is the thing that really concerns me. Um, and I just, I've been, I've just been pretty low on penning. I think he'll get drafted much higher than I'm comfortable. And mm-hmm. I just pray that I, I'd be happy if he went before the Ravens pick. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, just to get it off the board. Um, but he could be number four of the tackles gone. He could go at 13. So, I mean, that I, I don't think that's a good thing for the Ravens because that just puts the pressure on other left tackles further down in the second, third round, fourth round, you know, then players like Tyler Smith get overdrafted and uh, uh, Falele gets overdrafted. Sure. that That is a second order effect that could happen from that is, yeah, for sure. That's a good point. You could see one of those definitely day two guys, great day two guys, get pushed in the end of the first round, and then it just becomes a, a mess. That's yeah, a good point. Mad scramble for for going in. Yeah, we, it, it, Ravens definitely want to try and instigate the run on quarterbacks if they can, which they <laughs> possibly could with the first guy. Okay, so both yeah. of us had that as number one. What's your number two? My, my number two is a just a theory on how this class is set up. I say get a top interior defensive, defensive line player, of which I classify about five or six players. Uh, after those five or six are gone, I don't want to see any draft picks made. I'd rather just go with a replacement level UDFA um, for the position and just punt another year on fulfilling uh, what is the need for the interior defensive line to get younger. Uh, it's just, to me, this class is... There's a very, very big teardrop after that, and I think they're all relatively the same. So I might as well just wait, is my hunch. Okay, so so I'm in agreement that there's not a whole lot of great defensive interior linemen. There are a few nose tackles late that the Ravens should have access to in round four. Uh, Ridgeway of Arkansas, and mm-hmm. uh, a guy I really like from UCLA is Tito Obonia. Mm-hmm. Who uh, uh, you know is a shot putter and and uh, looks like he might be able to do some things in terms of two gapping anyway. The Ravens want more than that, so mine lines up pretty closely with that. My number two thing, which is use pick fourteen to address a position where draft capital is required. So here's the point: the Ravens did a, what I consider to be a very smart thing this offseason. They went out and they got Marcus Williams on a five year deal that addresses their free safety concern, and you know top free safeties cost significant draft capital. You, you you have to get very lucky otherwise. You can get a strong safety, oh, yeah. a dime safety. You can get all over the draft. The Aussie dime safety cost was always six round or lower. Right. And he ended up with Chuck Clark, the defensive signal caller. <laughs> <problem. laughs> all right, right. So so it works for that, but it doesn't work for free safety. The ball hawks always are well known in school and and they end up costing a lot of money. Even Nick Cross and other players like that who, you know, have a chance, like they're they're probably going to get a positional premium in this draft that pushes them into the second round, potentially in terms of Cross's case. And, you know, an area that is probably above the level where I'd be really comfortable drafting him. But I I love the Williams signing, but that still leaves the Ravens with three positional needs, edge, left tackle, and corner, where they're going to have to pay significant capital to get a premium player. And the the reason I bring this up is that Jordan Davis is at a non-premium position. He's been 
he's been, you know, pimped to the Ravens any number of times at 14. <laughs> and I, I think if you take him there, you kind of got to be sure he can help your pass rush. I think he will, but he, yeah. he's got to be able to help your pass rush and, and, and times the other dimension, which is more snap play. Uh, and, and both are kind of unsure at this point. I, I take him. I think he's a, he's a great gamble. Um, and I, especially I take him if the board drops without quarterbacks falling in this first 13. But I, I, I wouldn't be as excited about it as, uh, you know, obviously getting a player like, say, Cross or uh, Aquano or um, uh, Stingley at 14 yeah. would be outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Jermaine Johnson? Yeah, I'd be okay with Jermaine Johnson. I think I think I would put him ahead of Davis, although it's very close. And Jermaine mm-hmm. Johnson can help your pass rush. Really good awareness on the outside. Uh, he's a good uh, gap plugger. Um, he, he just he plays well with his teammates. If you watch that Notre Dame game and what Florida State did to them, Jermaine Johnson's awareness and reaction time was exceptional. Uh, yeah, I thought. no, he's. Yeah. I think he's very pro ready. Uh, my biggest concern about him is his ceiling might be not yeah. as high, uh, just because he seems pretty developed at this point. Um, but uh, no, I, I like I like the pick there too. I just I, I like to ask people about that because I've gotten a little cooler on him mm-hmm. uh, to the point of which I would consider maybe trading back if he was there. But part of me is also concerned about trading back so um it it you know it's a double-edged sword i like him enough that i would pick him but at the same time i i would consider if the right trade came along uh it, it, i guess it's worth doing either way i mean a lot of people say that booth for example is a player that the ravens have to have and if if jane johnson is there at 14 and somebody really just has to have him and you can trade back into the low 20s uh and get booth yeah, I'm no, all for that. That sounds great. I agree. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting one. Um, but I, I agree with you with uh, with um, uh, Davis that yeah, I I'm a believer in him. I think that he would. I think he'll play out well for whoever drafts him. I think they won't regret it. Um, but it is a, a bit of a projection and it is a gamble because if he is not that player, um, it's kind of a waste of a pick, like you said. So yeah. I I'm more comfortable to just going for one of those premium positions. All right. I, I will say this, that the Ravens positional need is so great there. And I mean, think, think about if they if they do exactly what you're contending, they might. Mm-hmm. And they pat, they punt the position entirely for this year. That leaves them with Matabike, a three tech that we don't know exactly who he is right now going into year three. But yep. it could be could still be very good. Yep. He will be going into year four when they have a chance to draft again on that interior. And he'll be the only young player in that group. They're, you know, they're going to be replacing Campbell. Uh, they're going to be replacing Wolf, who I guess is here for this year because of his contract dictates that be so. Sure. Yep. Uh, but he may not play. And uh, uh, who else? Who else are forgetting on the defensive line that, that uh, I think, uh, uh, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I think Washington's still there. Yep. Um, who's that uh, practice squad guy? They called up a couple of times. Uh, uh, Aaron. Um, yeah, there's Mac and then is it? There's an oh, Aaron uh, Crawford. Yeah, I was like McKenzie also is a guard who's a defensive oh, lineman right. in theory. Uh, so they've, they've got a. It's not like they don't have other bodies there, but in terms of another guy who looks like he's a young player that yeah. that we have anything. Even even um, Isaiah Mack, who looked really good in that game against Cincinnati, he's I think he's entering his fourth year this year. So it's yeah. not like you know the Ravens have his future lined up. They don't. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He has uh, three years of experience and yeah, he's uh yeah, it, it's definitely thin. I agree with you, Ken. I guess my question is like, it just, it just comes down to what, 
what is the player that you're picking up? Um, I could see, I, I, I could completely see what you're saying though. Like if they can get uh, with that last pick in the sixth round, as it currently stands, um, one of their, one of your favorites, that's a later round guy that falls. Sure. Like I could, I could see that, but um, I'm just saying that I, I, Better on how that board is, I might like somebody else better. I I, oh. I do understand entirely. <laughs> I, I, I would I would love if they can get an edge guy, a left tackle, or a cornerback with that first pick because it's going to be somebody we really love in those cases. In, yep. in in Jordan Davis's case, I think we love him with reservations. <laughs> right. We have, we have conditional love for him. <laughs> and and I think something we'll talk about soon is that is ten picks actually enough to accomplish all the the things you want to do in this draft. So that's kind of why I'm saying like. I don't know if I want to spend the six one because or the six round pick on that because there's other things I probably still want to do at yeah. six. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're, they're, that that could well be a, a question mark. Well, let's go on to number three. What do you got? So I say bolster the edge and a bonus point if they can play Sam. Okay, completely agree with your Sam comment there. Uh, and the Ravens really have a significant weakness at Sam. They need somebody else who can play that position, and mm-hmm. they're going to already, I believe, to start the season, force Oway into it. Mm. Bowser may come back at midseason. Uh, I assume that's the case with the, with uh, you know the injury being as late as it was. Yeah, I would think Hayes is uh, also in the question there, but he's a bit of a projection, right? Like we haven't yeah. seen it yet. He he played barely any snaps last year, but he looked like he had some serious promise coming out of school and even in the preseason. So mm-hmm. um, I could definitely see him being sort of the forgotten man there. But uh, that's why I said bonus points. Is because I think you know you can make Oway do it in the short term. Hayes might be able to do it, but um, you really want to have the edge bolstered. Um, pass rush is right. key currency. Uh, we have the draft pick, like we talked about with Jermaine Johnson or other players that might fall to make that so at fourteen, most likely. Uh, or there's also like a lot of really interesting players in like the late thirties. Uh, you know that the, the one two turn that will be super interesting players. I think. Um, that if you're able to do the trade back, you might be able to get a booth in them. And then you're like, is that better? That is better, right? Like, sure. it, it sounds better at least. Ebicati or somebody like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. A, a booth in Ebicati, if that happened, you know, I'd be celebrating, right? Like, that sounds right. like a great start of the draft. Right. I, I agree. I think that would be fantastic. There's so many players. If we could get 32 and 34 from the Lions in exchange for 14, that I think would be terrific. Um, I, I, I have a similar thing. I have picks and value dedicated should generally match positional need throughout the draft. And this is my number three thing, just an overall arching thing. And I I'll put the positions of need in order for you. I think edge is number one yep. based on what we know. And I might've said differently a couple of days ago that left tackle is higher, but I think I was thinking I was still edge at that point. Left, left tackle is number two still, okay. which is a little scary. Cornerback, even with the empty room they've got is number three. Defensive interior is number four. Interior offensive line, number five. Inside linebacker, number six. Maybe a hidden thing. They may have to spend some draft capital on somebody there. But this is also a year where, since you got guys, maybe you take a gamble on somebody in the mid-rounds who um, the Appalachian State guy. Right. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you might uh, you, you won't get Troy Anderson, but maybe, maybe Chad Mumo lasts a little bit longer than people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a hitter. So you got some, I got some opportunities inside linebacker in the middle rounds, maybe um, then wide receiver and running back uh, and then tight end safety and quarterback. The last three. Yeah. The last, the last two are interesting. Uh, some of the last ones you mentioned there with um, wide receiver running back and tight end. One of my like honorable mention would have mm-hmm. been uh, a wide receiver or tight end that can uh, 
particularly make a, a dent in the red zone. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the thing with with wide receiver in particular I want to talk about is it's interesting that I'm starting to feel like the NFL is getting to the point where these wide receivers are so pro-ready and they do so well on their rookie contracts that the amount of money the second contract wide receiver is getting these days might not be worth it if you can keep a young stable of wide receivers available, uh, which makes me think that if the draft goes into a, uh, a nightmare state where no quarterbacks, no wide receivers go, mm-hmm. um, and just a lot of like our favorites, like a booth or an Epicady, like go early, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for the trade backs, then you're like, okay, uh, maybe I go with a wide receiver at 14. I think that's a, it, I don't want to do that. I probably wouldn't just trade back because of the, um, there's probably a, a, there's a lot of them, right? There's like six or seven that could be quite, quite good and a good addition. So, um, maybe you trade back there, not spend it on 14. You don't have to start the race, but, uh, it, it's definitely to me spending high draft capital, maybe even second round pick on a guy like Pickens, I would not be too upset about. Okay, it's a it's an interesting move, but I would not be too upset about it. You're taking a very interesting position, which is, to me, in other ways, not aligned with what I hear from a lot of other people. And I think that's a good thing, by the way. I think uh-huh. that's a very good thing. Is that uh, what I'm hearing from a lot of other people is you have to draft wide receivers in year one because look the way the contracts are going. And you're saying, look at the way the contracts are going. This can't continue relative to other positions. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense to go out and try and see how you can do it cheap. Now, people, you know, people in your position who would have said the same thing about running backs a few years ago and these $10 million contracts are being handed out to pikers, you know, guys, <laughs> guys, guys who are just just a guy at running back now. Right, right. Uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, uh, uh, the guy for the Rams and I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, right Gurley. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a whole bunch of you know players who are just ordinary backs, frankly, uh, are, are are getting huge contracts. And there's there's a meme about you know <laughs> hoping that your second running back contract works out. I hope the Ravens won't fall into that. They obviously have, have given Edwards a little bit of money, but it's not chart topping money like like some of these other players. Uh, so I'm hoping that that works out. In terms of the wide receivers, it makes a lot of sense that if you've got pro ready players and you can. Um, churn and burn at the position with draft picks, get guys who are pretty good in, in early rounds. It might mean you have to go to the wide receiver treadmill, uh, free agent treadmill, which I haven't been a fan of. Uh, but you know, if you can get good guys somewhere or you can get them, uh, you know, as UDFAs, then why would you do it? Yeah. I mean, I see a comp pick, you know, I see a third or a fourth coming back. If you get a good one in the first or second round that someone pays up for, I mean, Tacosta uh, said it well. He said thirteen million for um, Hollywood seems cheap, you know, for his fifth year option. He's right like, now. I'm about it. And and then a couple of days later, you see, um, you know, huge contracts go out to these wide receivers, um, and it, it it confirms it, right? Like you're seeing twenty eight million a year go to these wide receivers, and that's double. <laughs> you know, it's double what he's going to be making. And I think he's one of a top, not a tippy top wide receiver, but he's good. You know. <laughs> And, and for also one of the things I've been thinking about a lot in the Lamar Jackson era of the Ravens, he takes snaps away from these players. Right. So they're a little devalued. Like, can you really go spend top money on a guy like Debo, right? Who wants 25% of the target share uh, and then give him 15. You know, there's a, there's a, a basic tenet about 
having an offensive fit for a player, it really just comes down to how, how many touches each of these divas wants. Running back, wide receiver, whatever. <laughs> sure. There are only so many total touches involved, unless you're going to lateral the ball five times on every play and then throw a pass. Sure, sure. There's only so many total touches involved for each player. And, and, you know, players are so concerned about their stats and getting paid, particularly at those skill position player, at positions that it's difficult to, to deal with. And I, I think the Ravens are just smart to say, hey, you want to win – Come here. Yep. You want to you want to uh, you know go for stats. Please go somewhere else because we don't want the drama. Um, I, I think you know, there is something else going on with the wide receiver thing that happens every single year, and people somehow don't line the stars up or don't line the pieces up to, to really notice this. But opening a free agency is I mean it's true for a lot of positions. It's true of edge, but it's but it's definitely true of wide receiver. Um, a lot of players are getting overpaid, and if you look back oh, yeah. just a few years ago when uh, the Ravens signed Grant. From I think he was playing Ryan Grant. He's playing Washington before. Maybe, yep. maybe right. uh, anyway, four years, twenty eight million. But they got to a point where uh, the physical came around and they they backed out of the deal. Yes, uh, and and I I, I think you know uh, uh, be careful to observe the market and then observe it also again and remember it next year in terms of what kind of values were available for guys after the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, were there a bunch of guys you could sign for um, you know. Two million for for one year, or uh, you know, four million with a conditional of six, or kind of thing, where it's a, a pretty decent receiver. Because those are the kind of bargains the Ravens have traditionally looked for anyway. And you're just always taking a big chance if you if you go for Tyree Kill and you trade away literally the franchise and then pay him everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and we've seen, like you said, these um, free agency wide receivers. They don't really pan out often. They just don't, like you said, uh, not just for the Ravens league wide. So um, always buyer beware with that. Uh, and I think it just is further proof that the draft is a really good place to find wide receiver talent. That's where you want to build your team anyway. All right. Well, terrific. So, so far we've had a lot of similarities in our first three, or at least we've manufactured some similarities. <laughs> Go to number two. What's yours? Uh, I want to double dip at corner. So, um, this could look a lot of different ways in the mock draft we did with uh, Cole Jackson recently. We, we did two in the fourth um, just because the way the draft fell. That's when we felt like it was the right, right pick to make. Um, we got, uh, I know we got Kobe Bryant. And then the other one was the one with two last names. I'm blanking now last minute. Uh, okay. What's his, what's his name? The Penn state guy. I think so. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm pulling it up. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, it was um, Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama, rather. Okay. Um, so we went Kobe Bryant and Jamar Armour Davis. I do forget who was picked one pick before us in the mock uh, by the Patriots, but he was also he was the guy we were going to pick if, uh, if he fell. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, the reason that we did that, you know, when we were looking at it, it was just never – it always felt reachy to get the the cornerback until the fourth round, um, just the way that the board fell for us. And you know, the Ravens might fall in that exact same problem. But I'm okay with that because I think we're looking for a developmental guy like Averett who could like step in for Peters eventually. Um, and then also just depth, right? <laughs> like they might well, have I mean, to play right away, but slot corner. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely slot corner. I'm I'm thinking of the current plan is probably to use uh uh, Stevens, Stevens, more there, yeah. But I, I do agree, yeah. Slot corner is an important one, and and slot corner is uh, an interesting uh, position where you can find them relatively cheaper, right? Um, they 
that can go high. And like some of these, these like almost positionless slot corners are really valuable. But um, I think I think you can find one uh, in the fourth round pretty easily. Okay, I mean there there probably are guys. That's certainly where they got Tavon Young, and he worked mm-hmm. out uh, when he was healthy. Um, yeah, with the the guy in the fourth round that I think could last to the fourth round, who I really like is Marcus Jones, but he has an injury history. Yes. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's a little bit of a risk, but smaller guy, extremely cat quick and throws his body around like a much bigger player. So uh, he's a receiver or the returner, right? Or is I, that a different corner? I, I am drawing a blank on that. He might be, give me a moment here. I've got my cornerback notes right here. Um, it's hard to keep like 150 prospects in your head. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. He's the one. He's got nine TD yeah. returns in his college career. Yeah, that's and a the one. Yeah. Yeah. Punt return average. Yeah. yeah so, and that's, that's another, another feature of value, right? Like he's a, he's a playmaker. Um, it is. That would, that would certainly be valuable. Uh, he's, he's been an interceptor too, which has been, which has been mm-hmm. real good. Five interceptions for Houston just this last year. So I, I, I like him. There is, there is an injury risk there, but he'd, he'd fit right into the slot and you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to uh, lose value from Humphrey by moving him into the slot. Okay. And by the way, let me be clear about this. I'm okay with Humphrey following some particular receiver into the slot. If they want to, if they want to avoid the other team from trying to get a size matchup in the slot, that's fine. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that. What I do have a problem with it is being forced to have Marlon Humphrey play whoever that slot receiver is, whether it's Edelman or Welker-esque, <laughs> you know, in terms yeah, of yeah. their change of direction skills, or it's a big guy. I want to, I want to, I want to be able to maximize what Humphrey could do with those baseball bat-like arms in terms of dislodging the football and using the sideline on the outside. Oh, for sure. No, I mean, that's. Uh... That's the ideal state, and I think the Ravens will will focus on that. All right. So McDuffie is the one guy early that I probably like more than other people because I think he would adapt very well to the slot. He has really good reaction despite average speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely likes to play downhill, likes to make tackles, and also has a terrific record in college of yards per target. A lot of people would say uh, the Pac-12 is not a particularly great offensive lead and went up at 3.1 yards per target. I don't care if you're moving down to midget ball or whatever. That's 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 uh, really impactful. So uh, uh, yeah. I'm happy about that. McDuffie and uh, Petting are probably the two most uh, contested players in the Ravens draft. Uh, you know, thoughts you hear all different sides, right? So well, they might be able to move down and get him, and and it might they might be able to move down and get either him or Booth. In which case, you know, you're probably fine with either one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I shudder to think how ballistic the Ravens Twitter verse will go if they draft another Elam. Oh, <laughs> but, but he's, uh, he's definitely on the board as one of the top corners. Yep. Uh, okay. So, so my number four thing um, is, is more of a franchise level thing too, is avoid reaching in the draft with so many positional needs. Now the Ravens should be in an outstanding position in this draft. If you look at the glasses half full and say they have so many positional needs right now, they have so many, they almost cannot reach too far in with their round one pick. No. It's, 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 it's very difficult for them to do that with all the positional needs they have. And it's edge, left tackle, cornerback, defensive interior. All of them would work at number 14, and there should be players available for that. But they want to also be very careful to match those players up with value so they don't get burned and overspend on any players in round one. And if they trade down four picks – for example, 
it's as if they could they could pick up they could, they could pick up with that the seventy fifth pick in the draft probably mm-hmm. or maybe seventy seven I think it would be actually is what they could pick up so it'd be an extra third round pick they could have by moving back four still getting their guy probably particularly if they have several guys so if they're, they're in a situation where corner is really what they want to do the left tackles are all gone and the and the top edge guys that they want are all all gone and they really want to address corner with their first pick that might be a perfect opportunity to trade back to 2021 and you know recoup an extra pick of real value mm-hmm. and you could probably tell us because i know you're going to be watching the trade board yeah, yeah i'm looking at it right now <laughs> okay so if they, if they trade back to 21 that's yep. a that's a pickup of what three fifty in terms of JJ value. Uh, Twenty one is a delta of just two hundred points. No, um, it can't be. It's eleven hundred at number fourteen. At twenty one is what? It's eleven hundred and fourteen. Yeah, and then the number twenty. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the twenty throw, not twenty. Number pick twenty. My apologies. Yeah, eight fifty. Eight fifty at twenty. Yep, at twenty. Okay. Yeah, so yeah you're right. My, yeah, my apologies. That's, that's two fifty, and if the and two fifty would get them a late. This. Top, no, top of the third. Top it's the uh, third. pick 68, 68. Yep. That would be exciting to pick that up in terms of a, uh, in terms of a trade down. And what they would have available there could be a second tier left tackle. Maybe, maybe a Philele is available at, at uh, 68 still. Maybe it's one of the other guys. I mean, uh, sure. Tyler Smith. Yeah. I mean, Rasheed Walker, we got at 102 in this mock. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I'd be over the moon if we got Rasheed Walker. Right. And uh, that's that's the kind of player, additional player talking about maybe. And you still get the guy you wanted to pick at 14 or uh, were left having to pick, so to speak. Um, Yeah. No, train back is a huge thing. Another thing that's like undervalued. No one's talking about it because it's not as sexy. Um, You could trade your last fourth round pick for two fifths, potentially like two later fifths or a fifth and a six. And mattering on how the draft board's going, that might be what you want to do. And it does. It's not it's not sexy, but like. You might be looking at your board and be like, wow, there's so many good players left. I don't need to pick one here. Let me go back. We'll see what we get. And I'll probably get two good, you know, two similar level players. Um, uh, yeah, it's something worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll give you another one that's completely not sexy and will piss people off. <laughs> is you could trade your last pick in the fourth round for a fifth, a sixth, and maybe another sixth next year uh, as well. And, mm-hmm. and reset some of that value, still get you know, two, two players for one this year. I mean, a, a fifth this year and a, and a, you know, mid fifth next year could also be a possibility given the discounting that occurs on picks at that point. So I, I just, I'd be, I'm all for resetting value. I don't, I don't think they can afford to drop picks in this draft, but if they trade down, keep the same number of total picks and um, get, pick up an extra pick next year, I, I'd feel good about it because they're not going to have compensatory picks next year. So they're yep. looking to have only seven picks, and it'd be really nice to pick up number eight right now if if they if they could on on uh, sometime on Saturday, say. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, Ken, because I agree with you. Uh, the only way I want to get less than ten players in this draft is if uh, just an absolute star fell and we were we went up two spots to get him, and and we ended up with nine picks. Mm-hmm. I would say fair enough, maybe, but uh, it's it, it's not it's not. Uh, ideal like you just like i said you know you, if you do a mock or if you do just just guess you know put just positions at each pick uh you'll probably be left with one more that you want uh for this team to draft so 
getting picks is important and 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 seeing how you can keep them in the top you know 100 or so is also ideal obviously it's a lot of draft capital but uh we're we're uniquely positioned to have nine picks in the first 141 picks so that's we'll we'll get a lot of really high quality players that are higher on our board yeah, it's it's going to be very fun, and and we're going to do coverage of round four in our draft watch party, and uh, of course we'll be watching the board very closely. But one of the fun things we plan to do is have people write down a list of the remaining players entering day three that you'd like to see the Ravens draft. I want all the viewers to put that list together too. All the people who are who are joining us to watch the watch the draft with us, um, play along. This is going to be a lot of fun on 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 day three to watch exactly how the Ravens own that fourth round with five picks in it. Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun one. It's every couple of picks, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Definitely fun. All right, so I had avoid reaching and and you know make sure that they they, they squeeze out the most value out of the draft with my number two thing. What's your what's your number one thing? My number one thing is I just be over the moon if a top prospect falls to fourteen. And we're, that's, we're just talking about those positions in need, like one of the top four edges, one of the top three tackles, or one of the top uh, you know three or two uh, corners, right? Do you have, do you have uh, Jermaine Johnson is your fourth edge, or who's your fourth edge? Yeah, he, Jermaine Johnson is my fourth edge. Okay, so not Karlaftis. He's he'd be no. out of your top fourteen. He's, yeah. he's out of my top four. I think you can trade down for Karlaftis. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's exactly what you're talking about with reaching, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's just not not going to go there. Um, and uh, yeah, so like, uh, that's kind of the goal. I think um, it it made me really delighted. Because uh, then, then the cards are really in the Ravens' favor. I think one of the reports we're hearing is a lot of people want to trade back, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes it almost uh, a harder market. Because I think people are seeing the fact that trading back after these top like elite players go is is the place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you're able to start a wide receiver run or um, quarterback. quarterback run, um, I don't know if we're going to find a trade partner. I think if 14 is not a wide receiver or uh, quarterback by some other team, um, I'd be shocked if someone traded up. Here's here's my dream scenario: no yeah. no quarterbacks. Mayfield and Garoppolo stay put. Okay. We get to draft day, and Willis is taken wherever he's taken in the top ten. And maybe no, maybe Pickett's not taken yet, but maybe maybe people are thinking about it and sniffing. Uh, and the Ravens are have fourteen, and maybe they have Jordan Davis. They could trade, or they could trade the team to a quarterback hungry organization like maybe Detroit and you say, Hey, you know, Kenny Pickett's still available here at number 14. Uh, we'll, we'll trade you the pick here, but you gotta, then you gotta pick who your partner is. You can't trade that pick to Kansas city because it doesn't really help you in the same way. But if you trade it to Detroit, you, you, you can be, you can't be a hundred percent sure, but you can, you can think more that it's more likely they'll trade it. They'll draft a quarterback there. Or maybe you trade it to Seattle if they didn't take Willis at number nine. And they mm-hmm. and they want to move back into the first round. Another possibility. So you, you, I, I really love the idea of getting thirty two and thirty four from Detroit at fourteen, and moving back then. Yeah, thirty two, thirty four, and forty five. You'd be drafting at. I, I, I just love the Ravens' chances to get three very high quality players there. I also think uh, Green Bay and Arizona are two uh, at twenty two and twenty three are high likelihood of maybe being interested in starting a wide receiver run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both could use a wide receiver, and I think they both would be interested in having their pick of the litter, so to speak. Um, so I think they're definitely going to get calls. And uh, I know Arizona has the perfect uh, JJ value already, right? You can get 23 and 55 and call it good. That would be, that'd be fantastic. I take that in oh. a second. Then that's for the people who really want booth. Or, uh, uh, that's a pretty likely scenario there. If you, if you're happy with Carl as the fifth edge in the draft, 
pretty also likely scenario that you get him. I think it, anything where you trade that pick to a team that might want a quarterback, though, also potentially denies it to Pittsburgh, denies mm-hmm. the guy Pittsburgh wants. And I got to think that whoever be trading up to 14, one of the things they'd be looking to do would be to jump ahead of Pittsburgh and potentially other teams that would want to trade up to, yeah. to get a pick that's a little bit earlier. And, sure. and the Saints also, right? The Saints are thought to be after a quarterback in the 16, yes. 17 range, right? Uh, or, or bundling those to go up higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, more power to him. I think that's crazy. But, you know, I, I just, I'm not so high on this wide or this quarterback draft. If obviously I want quarterbacks to go because uh, I'm a Ravens fan, but uh, I think that it'd be completely fine if the whole first day didn't go with the quarterback. I think they'd be fine. No, that would not be completely fine for, not, not fine for, for us, <laughs> not fine for us, but completely fine for like the universe. It's like, this is just bad. You're just asking to be bad in my opinion, but that's, that's just me. <laughs> like these, these other teams, like, all right, fair enough. You can, you can go sink yourself if you want. All right. So that was your number, your number one was yes. quality player at 14 and don't be too, don't be too choosy about who it is among the top three positional need groups. Yeah, if it happens, like, you know, God bless America. <laughs> just, right. You take them and you're happy and it's a great day. I, I, I got my number one and uh, it's, a, it's a broad franchise thing is the Ravens need a massive reset to youth in this draft. One that is very broad and very deep. So it's nice that they have nine picks at the top. They got to get nine guys who have a chance to ascend. And, and, and that means don't. Try not to trade up, I would say. I, there are trades I would accept up. If they, if they traded 76 and 14 to get 10 and 10 was Thibodeau, I, I'd be over the moon about that. But, mm-hmm. but I, I don't want to have them trade up and lose an opportunity to, to get a 10th player of significance in this draft or a ninth player of significance, if assuming that six-round pick doesn't work out, because they have Lamar Jackson's contract to deal with. And this team has to get a lot younger necessarily in order to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, they, they're, they're not going to be able to do it without that. So all of these positions of need, these, this need to get younger at certain positions, we, we, we've got to take this seriously uh, in order to fit in Lamar and, uh, and make sure this works or, or in order to not have to cut a number of other people, which is really what it means. No, it's a, it's a big problem, Ken. I remember last year EDC said he wanted 20 picks in the next two years and he's on track to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, he he sees it too, right? I think he knows this this year we need to get at least ten. And their position right now, where I think uh, trading up is very unlikely unless it's the right player. Mm-hmm. Uh, trading back is highly likely in the first round, and then trading back everywhere else could be a huge value win because this is mm-hmm. a deep draft. Um, you won't know what their board looks like. Uh, they could very likely still get the exact same player they would pick. Uh, even if they go down, you know, just even a few spots, but you know, it doesn't have to be sexy, right? You look at our pick 76, 210 and JJ value, go back, uh, you know, nine picks with new England, just for, you know, sake of the argument, that's 45 points right there. And that gets you another pick, uh, right, actually right ahead. And it's new England's, this would work. New England's pick in, um, in, uh, in round four. Like that's their pick. We can make that's a that's a real trade, right? Like you could do that. I was just making an example, but that's a real trade that you could do, and I think that's a great, that's a great trade. Yeah, yeah I, I I like that. One of the things that was kind of frustrating me as I did mock drafts this year, whether it was either either of the draft network or the PFF mock thing. Well, one of the things that frustrates me about the PFF thing is the trades are not realistic. 
Yeah. So I, I look at them and they, they just don't match up with JJ value. And somebody sent me his mock and he traded back once and picked up over 200 JJ points. And then he <laughs> traded up before he made a pick and got, got another 200, a plus another plus 200 trade made. And I'm like, yeah. that can't happen. Don't, don't you understand? Those people would be paired up. I mean, you know, so yeah. it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't really make sense. But, uh, but the other, the other thing I found is that you're quite, quite often, despite the Ravens broad set of needs, at you know edge left tackle cornerback defensive interior interior offensive line that the need and value did not intersect nearly as often as i hoped it would so if you if you're going down you know i i was in the same place where i got rasheed walker uh at 100 or or thereabouts 100 105 whatever it might have been uh-huh um, but but most of the other times, uh, cornerbacks were not in the right place. You know, there weren't really left tackles I were excited about, and all the other ones were getting drafted way too early, as far as I'm concerned. And interior offensive linemen r- run dry pretty quickly of the guys I I kind of like. And mm-hmm. I, I have a bunch of the I, I don't know about you, but I have a bunch of guys in the fourth round that I really have either love them or hate them in the interior offensive line. Like Luke Fortner, I really like. Yep. Uh, and, and I really do not like Cole Strange, who is projected by many to go in the third round. Uh, but the only Division One game I've seen, or Division One, you know, the yeah, FCS, yeah. FBS game I've, I've watched him play, he didn't really look that good at Kentucky. It's the only cut up I had of him. And, and he had assignments, mistakes. He had all kinds of other things. So I have this love hate relationship with a lot of the interior linemen. Uh, PFF has a few darlings in this draft, and they always do, but they've got two short armed off left tackles in the draft they love, Deach and uh, Ryman, both way overpegged on their boards. But it's, it's like Geno Stone all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in terms of, of, you know, he was 53rd overall in terms of that he goes in the seventh <laughs> round of the Ravens. Um, I, I don't know where Ryman or Deach are going to go exactly, but I'll tell you this, he'll be, they'll, both of them will be off many boards because of arm length. And because of that, all the other teams will say, we're going to wait to get value on these guys because it is a problem. And we'll also look doubly stupid if we draft them and uh, the arm length thing comes back to burn us. Oh, for so, sure. Uh, so they're not going to, they're not going to be looking to do that. So, we, so somebody, I asked him for somebody for an over under today on Ryman and he said number 17 to the chargers. And I, I respect the opinion because chargers draft. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but, uh, but I, my, my over under would be 40 and I'm, I'm feeling pretty safe on the over on that too. Honestly, I, I think it would be, it's unlikely we, that he'll be. Yeah. We only did one mock when we did it for our show, but it was fun. Cause we did like a war room where I was to Costa, Cole yeah. was uh Harbs and then uh, um, Peter and uh, Chris did EDC or uh, sorry, not EDC, uh, uh, McDonald and, um, and Roman uh, as far as like, you know, our needs uh, and they, everyone fighting in the war room. And the only time that corner lined up with the chart was at uh, second round. We could get McCrary and um, and Gordon, and we were like, "That that feels like a reasonable pick to make there." Yes. Um, but we went we went spicy and, went and got Pickens, which, in retrospect, with the way the rest of the draft went, like you said, it didn't really ever line up again. Maybe that wasn't the best move. Um, but then the other thing that we noticed is that there was a huge run on tight ends. Now, granted, this is just one mock and one simulator, right? We'll right. see what actually happens. But there was this huge run on tight ends, and, and suddenly... The where? Top of, round three or where? Yeah, in round three. Yeah. Suddenly, at the top of the fourth, we couldn't make our picks. You know, like, we, we thought we had a strategy. I, there's, like, eight guys at tight end in the fourth round who could fit. There were, like, none of them were left? No. <laughs> it was, like, okay. the only one wow. that was left was Ferguson at, at the okay. top of the fourth, and then he went. 
again like he went like between like i was like we can wait with ferguson and then we, we cut it <laughs> what about uh, okonkwo did he did he go where'd he go oh okonkwo okonkwo was still on the board i would i just wanted to wait a little longer and then he went too yeah uh, okay. he, he went um he went uh we had a, a we had the last fourth round pick the only thing i think we could have done better and this is where i got the whole like looked into it i think if we did it better i would have traded the fourth round pick got fortner and maybe gotten um uh uh chig uh from uh sure i would have i would have done that uh if it you know maybe it would have worked out i chig actually went right shortly thereafter our last fourth pick um but maybe like doing that would have worked out nice but that's yeah i mean it it's like we just said at the top though there's a lot of needs <laughs> there's a lot of needs on this team a lot of ways that you can go um maybe the luxury pick or uh, of, of wide receiver is a little rich uh in the second round and and that was one of the mistakes we made but uh you know it's it's an interesting draft with a lot of uh a lot of ways that you can go right well yeah. one thing that was true in the pff draft for sure is they the running backs do not fly off the board so you end up with good opportunities of running back late yeah, we so had that too. Third, we got third, fourth round, but but yeah, we same thing. Say, I got Damian Pierce too, and and uh, it seemed like a good value. I think I got him at number one hundred. No, I got oh. him at eighty six. Eighty six in one thing by trading down. Oh wow, we got him the last our last fourth. We got last him. fourth. Yeah, that, that's why we had to do it. <laughs> that's why we didn't trade back. We were like, we got to take this guy. <laughs> can't, can't say no. Can't say yeah. no. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, it's lots of fun, and I I I know we're gonna have fun Thursday, Friday, and Saturday watching the draft together. Hope you'll join us for that. Uh, Alec, tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing on draft night. Yeah, so I'm going to prepare uh, in the next day or two. The uh, I'm going to create um, the realistic trade for every single uh, swap, basically uh, in the first. I'm not going to go all the way to the top, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and look at a lot of these like realistic trade partners, uh, but even the like less realistic trade partners. I'm going to go through and I'm going to have predetermined like this is the trade I think they could get. Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So just so, so we're ready, you know, I'm, I'm going to be ready for this and we can talk about it. Right. Like, because I already have it all calculated. So uh, we're, I'm going to go ahead and do that for all those, uh, figure out what's realistic, what's not. And uh, we can you know talk about that. And uh, I'm hoping to join day two. It's a little questionable at the moment, a game time decision, but uh, <laughs> we'll be there. Uh, definitely in spirit. I'll definitely be listening. I just don't know if I'll be able to participate with the, the board. Okay. Well, fantastic. And we'll, we'll uh, uh, be able to do it either way, obviously. Looking forward to you. Lots of other good people joining us. Uh, we'll have Sarah Ellison, Coach Evans, uh, Gabe uh, Ferguson, and Jordan Coe. And I'm always forgetting somebody like this. Oh, Jason. very important. Huddle yeah. it up. Jason yeah, you got to have this big board. He's, he's, he's bringing his big board in. And i uh, uh, got a lot of different perspectives here that I think we are really going to enjoy hearing. We should have some good tussles going on and we really want to have people interactive don't just listen you can, by, by the way listen if that's all you want to do <laughs> yeah. but, but also uh, we're not getting paid for this anyway just want to want to throw that out there right now we're doing this essentially for free this is a fun thing for us uh like we got anything else to do but watch the draft on, on, <laughs> on draft day so so we're, we're happy to do it um uh but but anyway we, we really would love some uh some other people to come in with questions we're gonna have that open we'll be able to you'll be able to speak your question or just post your question if that's what you're more comfortable doing so lots of opportunity to interact with us and and uh 
uh, get us to react to things and, and probably overreact any number of times during this uh, during this draft. But yeah. I really love what you'll what you'll have in terms of prepared trades because the other thing you know that, that Dan Reese has done in the past, yeah. for example, for us is to has to been to analyze these trades or even predict once you hear the trade. Well, I know what it was. Oh yeah, I'll definitely it, do that too. Yeah, I just want to be prepared for our trade scenarios, yeah. uh, so you know we can look into it. But uh, okay. it'll be a good and, way to spend the downtime during the beginning, maybe of uh, <laughs> you know those five or six picks that we're not going to be able to compete for. It's a it's a it's certainly a, a fairly long even the first round. I've I've done that show alone with Michael Crawford. I love talking football with Michael. I could do it for hours, but it seemed so one of the only times it's like seemed like it's a long time talking football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. awesome. Anyway, outstanding. We're uh, we're looking forward to uh, uh, to doing that. Of course, uh, anything else you want to say about content you're producing? Uh, big things coming from Ravens recap this uh, off season, uh, but yeah, wait and see. But uh, there, there, we do have some uh, some some new projects coming soon. Okay, I'm looking always to to work with you, Alec, on anything you want to. Uh, just reach out to me, and I'll reach out to you, of course, like we always do. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, other people out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short. Post-draft analysis would be fine, but also other things now moving into the offseason um, or franchise building, philosophy, Ravens history you find interesting. Any of that wide open, DM me on Twitter. I'll get right back to you and we'll uh, uh, line it up and, uh, and, and, and get it recorded. Just had somebody wanted to talk about how the Ravens should have stayed with the Kubiak offense after 2014. Interesting discussion. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. So it'd be something to have after the draft, but, uh, but looking forward to it. Anyway, uh, Alec, thanks again for joining us. Of course. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.